Amen. Well, this morning I want to share with you on this phrase that is found in Luke chapter 15, verse 20, and the phrase is, so he got up. So he got up. Four simple words, all very short, simple words, but within those words lies the power to change our lives. These words are found in the story of the prodigal son. Most of you will be very familiar with that story. It is a parable that Jesus told in the Gospels, and it's about a father and his two sons. And the youngest son comes to the father and says to him, Dad, I want my part of the inheritance. I want to go off, and I want to do my own thing. So the father gives him his part in the inheritance, and off he goes to enjoy himself and have a good time. Well, while he's doing that, he wasted all his money on um, whatever he was doing, and And it wasn't long before famine hit the land, and he found himself with no money, with no family, with nowhere to go. So he ends up getting a job feeding some pigs. Well, he soon realized that these pigs were getting fed better than he was, and he has an epiphany. He realizes that if he would just go back to his father and be able to come on as a hired staff, he would get treated far better than what he was getting treated right here and now. So he decides that's what he's going to do. He's going to go, he's going to apologize to his dad, and he's going to ask his dad, hey, can you take me on as one of your hired servants? And that's where we get to this verse 20 in chapter 15, so he got up four crucial words that changed the prodigal son's story from the pig pen to the restored and the redeemed son. So he got up. If he didn't, ha- if those words weren't in his story, he may have ended his story in the pig pen. But we know that if the story doesn't end there. He did get up. He goes to his father. His father sees him from a distance, runs to meet him, grabs a robe for him, puts some shoes on his feet, a ring on his fingers, says to his household staff, come on, let's have a party. My son who was dead is now alive. My son who is lost is now found. And he was indeed restored to his rightful place as son. And it's an awesome story. But you know, the prodigal son, he hit rock bottom. He lost everything. He found himself in a place where he had no money. He'd lost his inheritance. He'd lost his family. He'd lost his dignity. He'd probably lost a lot of his self-esteem. And um, he was at the end of his rope. But he got up and he changed his story. And maybe you might feel like that this morning. You might feel like you're at rock bottom. My mum shared her testimony two weeks ago. She had got to that place of rock bottom. She had crashed her car and failed an exam and a bunch of other things had happened. And she found, uh, she felt like she was at the end of her rope. But she said in her testimony, at her worst, God was at his best. And she found a Bible and she found that book that she'd bought so many years ago. And she found God and she got up. For all of us, whether we are at a low point in our lives, whether we're on top of our game, or most probably we're somewhere in between, all of us have areas that we need to get up for. We might like our story to read something like this. So he got up and finished what he started. So she got up and broke off that destructive relationship from her life. So he got up and started tithing. So she got up and phoned that helpline. So he got up and preached with his life. So she got up and spent time with her kids. So he got up and got help for that addiction. So she got up and applied for that job. 
So he got up and shared with his workmates about church. So she got up and prayed for that sick person across the road. So she got up and forgave. So he got up and hugged his kids for the first time. Whatever it might be, we want our story. I want my story to read. So she got up. So she got up. There are things in my life, some of them are small, but some of them are bigger, that I need to get up for. I need my story to say, so she got up. Can you say that with me? Get up. Tell your neighbor, get up. (laughs) To get up requires action. Without action, the story never changes. Harlan David Sanders was born in 1890. He faced many hardships in life. He was just five years old when his father passed away, leaving him to cook and care for his siblings. At age 16, he quit school. He had many jobs throughout his life. By the age 17, he'd already lost four jobs. He married his first wife at 18 and had a daughter, but the marriage didn't work out. After many jobs and job losses, including having a business that burnt down and a marriage failure, many marriage failures, he retired at the age of 65. He had nothing but a social security paycheck to live on, and he felt like a failure. He knew he could cook, and he had a good recipe from his mother, which had been popular at the service station that he worked for. So he made a decision to use his talent for cooking. So he got up. He took action. He borrowed $87, he fried up some chicken using his mum's recipe, he went door-to-door selling it, and as they say, the rest is history. Colonel Sanders founded Kentucky Fried Chicken Empire at age 88, became a billionaire. Colonel Sanders got up and took action, and for each of us, action is the key. A-C-T, act, action changes things. The difference between people who achieve and people who don't is the ability to take action. The difference between success and stagnation is action. The difference between seeing a miracle and not seeing a miracle is getting up and going and praying for someone, as you heard about last week. Without action, nothing happens. We can think about things, we can know about things, we can even plan things, but unless we act, nothing changes. Unfortunately, human nature doesn't lend itself well to action and change. The odds are against us, and even when we know that it's a matter of life or death, somehow we find it so hard to get into us that we've got to get up and do something, that we've got to take action. Sometimes we can look at our life and we can think it's too hard or it's too late to act. But I'm here to tell you today that the good news is your story, my story, is not written in concrete. We can actually change our story by taking action. Isn't that an awesome thing? You might think you know where your story is right now and how it's going to end, but it is not written yet. And um, the chapters that are yet to be written are up to us and our actions. And although the odds might be against us, God is for us. When we've got God on our side, we can get up and we can take action. You know, the Bible is full of men and women who got up and they took action. I think about Noah, and God told him to build the ark. He didn't just plan it. He didn't just think about it. He got up and he built that thing, despite the ridicule that would have come his way, despite the fact that no one even knew what rain was. He built that boat, and as we know, it saved his family and all the animals when the flood came. He got up and took action. Abraham got up and took action when God spoke to him and said, sacrifice your only son Isaac on the altar. He didn't, he didn't think about it. He got his son. They took the trek up the mountain. He prepared the altar. He put his son on the altar, and he was about to kill him when God intervened and provided the sacrifice for him. And we know that Abraham went on to be a friend of God. 
Moses, he got up from the burning bush and he told God that he couldn't speak, so God sent Aaron to speak for him. But he went, he took action, he went back to Egypt. He went to Pharaoh and he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. Joshua and Caleb, they got up, they went in and they possessed the promised land. Gideon got up and took action with only 300 men, defeated the Midianites against unbelievable odds. I love Ruth. She got up and took action. You know, she'd lost her husband. She could have stayed where she was in her own land, but she didn't. She went and followed her mother-in-law, Naomi, to a foreign land with a foreign people and a foreign God. And she said, my, your people will be my people and your God will be my God. And that proved true for her. She not only found the one true God, she found a husband in Boaz and she found a place in the lineage of Jesus. Esther got up, she went before the king, she took action, she put her life on the line to save her people, the Jews. Daniel got up and prayed, even though he knew almost certainly it was going to be a death sentence for him. All through the Bible, there are prophets, there are kings, disciples, apostles, heroes of faith, people who got up and took action. The disciples, when Jesus called them and said, hey, come follow me, they dropped everything, they left, and they went and they followed him. The decisions we make and the actions we take determine the future we create. Today's decisions and actions determine who we will become tomorrow. You know, the world is looking at us, and they are looking for someone who's going to show them what they believe. They don't want to hear about our beliefs and our convictions because they don't mean anything to them unless they see action that follows it. They want to see us get up. They want to see us reach out in love. They want to see us meet their needs. They want to see us pray for them. They want to see the supernatural power of God. And as they begin to see action, the world will take notice. They will come to Jesus, but it does require us to get up and to take action. 1 John 3.18 says, Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And I love this verse, James 2, verse 18. It's so practical and down to earth. It says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So faith also by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. If we want to change our story, we need to choose action over passivity. Passivity looks for escape routes and shortcuts. Action wants to change. Passivity says everything will work out. Action says, this is going to take some work. Passivity says, what's the least I can get away with? Action says, what needs to be done? The prodigal son got up. He took action. He rejected passivity. He made a game plan, and he followed through. And action can be that simple and that difficult. And it's never too late to start taking action. I want you to turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41 to 43. And um, it's... Dad actually mentioned the story two weeks ago, but I just want to read it again to you. 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 41 to 43. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go up and eat and drink, for there is the sound of an abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went to the top of Mount Carmel. And then he bowed down to, on the ground and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now, look and look towards the sea. So he went up and looked, and he said, there is nothing. And seven times he said, go again. And then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. 
and we know that from there the rain came. What I love about that story is that Elijah said, go again, go again, go again. He didn't say it one time. He didn't say it two times. He didn't say it four times. He didn't even say it six times. Seven times, go again. Faith, persistence, and action are all demonstrated in that story. And in life, we need all three. Galatians 6 verse 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Winston Churchill was quoted as saying, Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. And God says, go again. Go again. Michael Jordan redefined the NBA by, and by acclamation as the greatest basketball player of all time. But did you know that in his first year, he was not accepted on his varsity basketball team because he was too short and clumsy to play the game? That was the day he went home, he locked himself in his room, and he cried for hours. But instead of quitting, he focused on the game and developed basketball skills at an unbelievable level. Michael Jordan failed before success over and over along the way, but still managed to have the greatest career in basketball history. He once said, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. Michael Jordan kept on going, and he kept on getting up again and again, and because of that, he was so successful. Babe Ruth, one of the greatest basketball players of all time, is well known for his 714 home run record during his baseball career. But he also struck out almost twice as many times as that. In fact, for decades, he held the record of the most strikeouts. And when people asked him about this, he simply replied, every strikeout brings me closer to the next home run. His famous words are, never let the fear of striking out get in your way. King David in the Bible had to get up again after he slept with another man's wife, and then he found out she was pregnant, Bathsheba, and he killed off the husband to try and cover up his tracks. It was a right royal mess. But you know what? He, he repented before God, and he got up, and he went again. Moses had to get up and go again after he killed an Egyptian. Jonah had to get up and go again after the first time he ran away from God, ended up in the belly of a whale. Second time round, he had to get up and go again. Peter had to get up and go again after he denied Jesus three times. John Mark had to go again after he ditched Paul and Barnabas on their first missions trip. All these men got up and got going again and went on to fulfill the destiny that God had for them. You know, we all fail. We all mess up. We all give up at times. But the great thing is God can use plan A, plan B, plan C, D, E, F, however many we need. He can still use us as long as we're willing to come before him, repent, get up, and go again. You know, God's plan A for Israel was that they had no king. He wanted them to be ruled by the judges and the prophets, and they did that for some years. But the people continued to cry out for a king. They asked and asked and asked for a king. So finally, God gave them a king. He moved to plan B, 
King Saul, who stood head and shoulders above everyone else. He was handsome and looked the perfect part. But it wasn't long before King Saul failed to wait for the voice of God. He failed to listen to what God had told him to, went ahead, and so God took the kingdom away from him. Let's move to plan C. King David inherits the kingdom. King David was doing great, but then as you just heard, he had a big mess up with Bathsheba, killing a guy, all the rest of it. Time for plan D. David repents, he gets up, he is plan D, and we know that he goes on to be a great king, he authored most of the Psalms, he um, was in the lineage of Jesus, and he was a man after God's own heart. See, it doesn't matter where we're up to in life, God is the God of the second chance. He forgives us 70 times 7 and more, and he has another plan for us. He says to us today, go again, go again. Getting up and taking action are things that we have to continually challenge ourselves to do until the day we die. It's just part of life. We've got to keep on getting up. We've got to keep on taking action. We've got to keep on going again. What is it that you've stopped doing this morning? Maybe you've stopped praying for someone. You've stopped believing for that miracle. You've given up on someone or you think you've failed in an area. Whatever it is this morning, God says to each one of us, come on, get up, go again. It's time to go again. Well, there are a couple of things that I want to leave you with, a couple of thoughts of how we can do this, how we can be people who get up, who take action, and who go again, because it's not that easy. As simple as it sounds, it's not that easy to do, but there are some things we can put into place that are going to help us to get there. The first thing is to write it down. Habakkuk 2 verse 2 says, Then the Lord replied, "Write Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. You know, often God will give me a thought um, about someone, something I should do for them. He might give me a thought about a message, or he might convict me about something I need to change in my life. If I don't write that thought down, 90% of the time, it's gone, and I don't get it back again. It's just vanished. Um, There is something about writing it down. Whatever comes to mind, write it down. Use a pen, use your phone, use an iPad, whatever it is, but write it down so you can go back and do it. To change your story, write down the changes you're going to make. You know, I remember about 20, this is about 20 years ago, a long time ago, when I was young and single and I was, you know, thinking about my future husband-to-be. Well, I wrote this list down of 10 things. that I wanted in my future husband. Ten things. I think they were reasonably sensible things. To be honest, I can't really remember all of them. But anyway, I wrote this list down and I said to God, this is my list, this is what I'm looking for. Well, when Sam came along, I thought, there's no way he's going to meet those ten things. Sorry, Sam. (laughs) I didn't think he was going to meet them. So you know what? I dug out that list. And to my surprise, my pleasant surprise, He got nine and a half out of ten. Nine and a half out of ten ain't bad. (laughs) Do you know the half? The half that he didn't get, I'll tell you, I wrote down that I wanted someone tall, dark, and handsome. Well, I got handsome. (laughs) Tall and dark. I thought I could live with that. Nine and a half out of ten. You know what? That's a stupid example, but (laughs) there is something about writing things down. I want to encourage you, whatever it is God is stirring in your heart, what he's challenging you on, what you're hearing, take a minute, write it down, write it down. (laughs) Number two, don't delay, start today. Psalm 119, 59 to 60 says, I thought about my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. I hasten and do not delay in keeping your commands. 
After you've written it down, it's time to act. Now, I didn't take that list of 10 things 20 years ago and start going on a hunt, but I did take that list of 10 things, and I did faithfully pray that God would find me someone who had these qualities in their life, and he did. I'm so blessed. Um, But you know, we need to start now. We need to start today. Procrastination is the masterstroke of the enemy. You know, he's always whispering in our ear, do it tomorrow, do it later. It's not that important. You've got years ahead of you. You know, you'll get round to it. Don't worry about it. Relax. You're tired. You're busy. Don't worry. Honestly, it is the enemy. He gets in and he's niggling and he's whispering because he knows if we don't start now, we're probably not going to do it. Don't delay. Start today. I don't know if there are any fans of um, The Greatest Showman, the movie The Greatest Showman here. I'm a little bit of a fan. I really enjoyed it. I love the story, love the music. And um, in the very last song that Hugh Jackman sings, who plays P.T. Barnum, he's lost everything and he sings these words, from now on, these eyes will not be blinded by the lights. From now on, what's waited for tomorrow starts tonight. Let this promise in me start like an anthem in my heart, from now on. What's waited for tomorrow starts tonight. The best chance I have of succeeding is to start today, to start now. Whatever it is God is speaking to us, let's do it now. Don't delay. Start today. Deuteronomy 1, 6 to 8 says, The Lord our God has said to us in Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the hill country of the Amorites. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and take possession. You know, some of us have stayed at the mountain long enough. And God's word for us today is, come on, don't stay at the mountain any longer. Start today. Start today. Don't delay. Number three, pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. In every message I preach, if I ever do application, which is usually, the Holy Spirit is always in that application because it is only through prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can change that we can break through, that we can see the miraculous, that we can see the supernatural. You know, Zechariah 4, 6, not by might, not by power, by my spirit. What we can't do on our own, the Holy Spirit will enable us to do because he is our enabler. He is our advocate and he will give us the grace to take action when we don't have it ourselves. But if we pray, if we ask him to help us, he will. It's that simple. It's that simple. There's a passage in Job 14, verse 7 to 9. It says, At least there is hope for a tree. If it is cut down, it will sprout again, and its new shoots will not fail. Its roots may grow old in the ground, and its stump die in the soil. Yet at the scent of water, it will bud and put forth shoots like a plant. At the scent of water. The Holy Spirit is our water, and all we need is a scent. Just a scent of the Holy Spirit. We're going to bud again. We're going to get up again. We're going to go again. Number four, lastly, tell someone, tell someone. If we tell someone about the actions that we want to take, about the changes we want to make, we are far more likely to actually follow through and do them, especially if you ask that person to be accountable to them, you know, and to get them to ask you back. Or even better still, if that person would want to take the journey with you and you can do it together. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 10 says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. You know, often we think of that verse in marriage. But the thing is, it's actually for any relationship. Anything we do in life, 
if we can do it with someone else, it's going to be much easier. If we can tell someone else about it, we're probably going to have a chance of actually doing it. Find someone and get accountable to them. Um, Surround yourself with people that are going to be action takers as well, because who you surround yourself with will rub off on you and will motivate you. The book of Ezra in the Bible is a record of the Israelites returning to Israel from the Babylonian exile and the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. Ezra is set on bringing back the law of God to these people, so he addresses some big issues and he makes some big calls. But the people listen and they're ready to get up. And this is what the people say to Ezra in chapter 10, verse 4. They say, get up, for it is your duty to tell us how to proceed in setting things straight. We are behind you, so be strong and take action. And Ezra did. He got up and he took action and so did the people. And the result was that Israel renewed their covenant with God. They began to walk once again in obedience with him and a spiritual reformation took place. And I believe that that is the word for us today. Get up, be strong, take action and go again. So he got up. So she got up. We all got to get up. We got to take action. You know, our communities, our cities are not going to change by us sitting down. Not going to change by us coming to church once every couple of weeks. We've got to get up and get to church every week. We've got to get up and we've got to pray. We've got to get up and we've got to share our faith. If there's one thing I want you to take home this morning, it's that. We all need to, me, me included, get up and share. Invite someone. Be yourself. You don't have to Bible bash. All you have to do is be Jesus to someone else through your actions, through your words. There's a phrase we used to say when I was in youth. We used to say to each other, as you go, as you go. And it was to remind us that as we go, God goes with us. As we step out, God steps next to us. As we pray, miracles take place. As we share our faith, hearts soften. As we surrender, God supplies. As we go, so often we are waiting for God to move. But you know what? God is waiting for you and me to move. He's waiting for us to move. We need to get up. Church Unlimited is called to New Zealand and beyond. It's not a conference. It's reaching our communities and our city and our nation with the love of Jesus. But to do that, we have to get up. We have to take action. We have to go again. But you know, while this message is about that, it's about the big picture. It's about reaching our cities, reaching our communities. It's also about you and I as individuals because God cares about the big picture, but He equally cares about where you are at this morning. And if there is something in your life that you know you need to get up and take action in, there's an area you know you need to go again in, this morning is for you and this moment is for you. Because sometimes we need to break through into something fresh in our lives. We need to actually do something. We need to take action. So what I want you to do right now, if you haven't done it already, Whatever God's been saying to you throughout this morning or maybe even through the last week, something you need to do, something you feel prompted about, something you need to get right, maybe it's forgiving someone, maybe it's a money area, maybe it's a relationship area, whatever it might be, write it down right now. Get a pen out, write it down. Get your phone out, write it down. I'm going to take you through the first two steps that I've given you. I can't do the last two for you. Um, Only we can do the part of actually getting up and taking action without delay. Only we can get someone else to help you. But together we can write it down. 
Then we're going to stand. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us to take action. And I believe that He's going to help some of us today that it can be a defining moment in your life where you change something that you've needed to change for some time, where you get up and you go again, where something breaks off of you. So once you've written it down, would you stand with us? We're going to sing I Surrender. We're going to just do a bit of God time. And after that, I'm going to pray. But why don't you just take whatever it is God's speaking in your heart and say, God, here it is. I need your help to take action. I need your power to be able to change. So would you stand with me as we begin to sing I Surrender?